the title of this message is, It Is Here. Um, and so I want to talk to you about some things tonight, and I want to be, um, I want to be careful to know who I'm speaking to, and I do believe that you're a group of people who really love the Lord, and you want to walk with God, and you have a desire for God, you have a desire to bring people to know Jesus Christ, so I want to be mindful of that. I am by no means here tonight to fuss at any of you. Um, I do want to open up the Word of God to us tonight. And, and prayerfully just allow the Holy Spirit to help us understand what is really going on in our world. You know, Peter said in his epistle, he said, these are the last days. Or, or, he said it specifically, seeing that the end of all things is at hand. And Peter said that 2,000 years ago, right? And so one of the things that Peter said is this, seeing that the end of all things is at hand, watch unto prayer. And he said, be sober. And I, I realized that if we really don't see that the end of everything is at hand, we're not going to have an urgency of soberness. We're really not. If, if I know we don't live in this kind of community, but it's, a, it's one of the Proverbs that's just sticking in my head right now. But if there were a lion outside and your backyard and you didn't know it, you, would, you couldn't be sober about it. And you might walk right into it and lose your life. And so in order for you to have a soberness about you and an urgency to watch unto prayer, I think it's important for us to be able to understand or see that the end of all things is at hand. And listen, that's not just simply something that preachers are saying, but that's something that the lost people in our world are saying. The people in our world are afraid. Um, they, they believe that if, if emergency measures are not taken, that we literally will see the end of the world. Um, that it cannot go on like this. And so there's, there's this sense in so many people that we're living in a very dangerous time. I, I still am alarmed by the fact that it seems Christianity in the United States of America is not so alarmed. We're not so disturbed that maybe the end of everything is at hand. We like to talk about the rapture. We like to talk about the coming of the Lord. And we talk about that, and, and we believe in a pre-rapture uh, of the church, a pre-trib rapture of the church. And yet, we may live the bulk of our life as though it's not really going to happen in our lifetime. Um, we're not really expecting that. We, we might declare it, but we're not really expecting it based upon the way that we live. And one of the things that I hear so often is I hear people say that if we don't see revival in America... God's going to bring judgment. God is, God is going to have to judge America. And I just simply say to you, it's here. And it's been here. And if we can't see that, then we're not understanding what is in the heart of God and in the purposes of God. If we're the kind of people that are just kind of sitting around and seeing what's going on in society and in our government... And just considering the fact that if something doesn't happen, then we're in trouble and God's going to judge us, then we're already off. We're already missing what the Lord is doing because he's, he's already judging. And another aspect of this is I hear people say that 
God is about to bring revival in the earth. God is about to bring the harvest in. And I want you to know, he's doing it. Revival is happening in the earth. I I praise God that I'm able to have a small part of that. I see it. I believe it. I I enter into it. I want to walk in it. I I want to pray in the joy of it. But if I'm the kind of Christian that sits around most of the time saying, oh, one day God's going to bring revival, and yet he's doing it already, and I'm not seeing it now, then maybe I'll miss it when, when God wants me to be a part of it. And so we've got to get out of this mindset that one day revival's going to come, or one day judgment's going to come. It's here, both of them. Both of them are here. The move of God is here. And also the judgment of God is here. And I say this to you, beloved, because I believe that you've chosen to follow the Lord. But maybe for those that may be watching through the internet or whatever it might be, or maybe even some of you here tonight, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Quit halting between two opinions. If Baal is God, serve him. But if the Lord is God, then serve him. Make the decision. Be sober about yourself. Watch under prayer. Let the grace of God change your life. Let that happen. Another thing that I want to say to you tonight, this is very, this, I want to be very careful to say it, and I want you to understand this. I want you to understand that God has initiated and God has provided a new covenant for men to come into relationship with him. And that new covenant is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is a covenant where an individual person must put their faith in the provision of God's redemption. And when you put your faith in that provision, who is Jesus Christ, and the suffering and the agony and the victory that he won at the cross, and you believe in that, then you have passed from death to life. You have entered into a new covenant with God. And now God is in a disposition with you of great mercy, great grace, great compassion. He can even be merciful to your unrighteousness, which is what Hebrews tells us. And I want you to understand that. But when it comes to nations, when it comes to countries, they are not in a relationship with God on the basis of a new covenant. They are in a relationship with God that is on a basis of law and a basis of judgment. I'm talking about a country. I'm not talking about you as an individual believer. But I am talking about that in regards to the United States of America or to Israel or to the UK or whatever it might be or to Iraq or to Iran or to North Korea. And so when nations transgress God... And when nations fill their cup of iniquity up, God will bring judgment. He will bring wrath against that nation. I believe this has been grossly misunderstood even in our nation because we tend to think that America is living in this eternal favor with God and America could never suffer, America could never fall in a military battle, and America could never be overcome by a particular enemy. And I, I recall one of the prophets, I believe it was Zephaniah, 
And, I rec- and I'm just thinking about him right now, but I, I think it was Zephaniah who said to the Lord that, or it could be Habakkuk, when he said to the Lord, Israel is so bad, Israel is so sinful, that God, how can you as a just God allow this to go on without dealing with us? And certainly his heart was like towards a revival, give us a revival, and 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 let our let our churches be filled with worship and our people just happy and and everybody serving Jehovah again. That's probably what was in his heart. Like deal with our sins in mercy and and turn us back to you and let it be wonderful. But what God says to Habakkuk is, I'm going to send a nation against Israel that is more perverse than Israel. They're more sinful than Israel. They, they are in greater idolatry than Israel. And it shocked Habakkuk. How can you do such a thing? And so we have to be careful in America to really understand where we are. We're no good to America if we don't understand where we are in God's plan. If we don't understand, if we don't have the eyes to see the soberness, to be able to, to respond and not react to these situations that we see going on, we're no good to America. If we're the kind of Christians that are going around saying, well, if something doesn't change, judgment's coming, then we're not going to help America get out of the judgment it's in. And so we have to understand this. And so we're about to read a, a couple of things in Isaiah chapter 1 probably through chapter 5 tonight, and I just want to touch on these things. I'm, I'm not by any means trying to say that this is the way it always happens. But I do want to bring to your attention that God has recorded in his word how he will and how he can judge a nation. And this is a nation of people that were in covenant relationship with God. And they broke this covenant with God. They forsook the Lord. And as a result of that, judgment came upon this nation. But it it didn't come all at once. It, it, It wasn't like this just heavy wrath of God that just brought such destruction. It was little by little. And every time little by little, it increased all the more because Israel was not repenting. And when a nation is under God's judgment... And it is not responding to God's judgment with repentance. Then the judgment, the severity of judgment increases. And it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. All the while the heart of God is, I want you to turn to me. If you will turn to me in repentance, I will forgive you. And I will restore you. Even a nation, God will do that for a nation. Regardless of how bad they are or how far they've fallen, God will forgive an entire nation and restore them. But we have to understand where we are. And so I want to go through a few things with you tonight. And this is in um, chapter 1. I want us to see this. He says in verse 4, he says, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. And I want to say this because to a certain degree, though America has never been in a covenant relationship with God like Israel, in America's founding, in almost every state charter, there was a covenant agreement with Jehovah. In almost all of the early states, when they chartered their states, they made this 
cry and this obligation to Jehovah. And so I would say that this nation and these states have forsaken the Lord. They, they, made, a, they made a covenant with God that they're breaking. And, and because they're not under grace as a nation of people, then there are consequences to those behaviors. And so it says that the, the nation's sinful, the people are evildoers. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They are gone away backward. I want you to understand something. A nation can provoke God to anger. It's not a good thing. That's not a good thing when that happens. And it says, and God say in this in verse 5, and it's a, redemptive, it's a redemptive question. He says, why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. And, and God is asking a question there and he says, why will you be stricken anymore? Isn't this lashing enough to get your attention? Do, do I have to, if you will, whip you more? Isn't this enough? But it's not because I know you, you're going to revolt more against me. And he goes on and he says in verse 6, From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. This is the illustration in verse 7 of a nation that's in judgment. This is not a nation that's going to go into judgment with God. This is the judgment of God. And it's the, it's, it's the initiation into judgment. And I want you to see these several qualities about the putrefying wounds and the bruises and so forth like this. And the corrupt people. It's all manifested in the fact your country's desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers, devour it in your presence. It is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And twice he says your country is desolate. And I, I have a couple of things that I want to show you. If we can dim some of these lights. Um, I, ju I just kind of want to take you through this stuff. Because sometimes we don't like to see these things. And sometimes we don't remember these things. We're quick to forget. And yet I would say that probably every day for years. God has been declaring through us, through the media, through social media, of how our nation, the United States of America, is in judgment of God in this very context. That our nation is desolate. And I want to give you the definition of that word desolate. It means that the people of the country are in a state of emptiness. They are in a condition of depression and they are unhappy. Now, the reasons for this unhappiness and depression could be so much. It could be injustice that's in the nation. It could be racial, racial tension. It could be all types of things that could make the nation of people depressed and unhappy and unfulfilled and unfulfilled. 
I, I would probably say of most of the nations in the world, there's probably not a more desolate nation in this context than America. We spend more money on drugs for depression than any other country in the world is what I have understood. I could be wrong on that, but I would imagine we would be at the top of that just simply because most Americans have the money to do that. And a lot of the world does not. So I want to show you a few things and we're going to start with the first point of judgment that the country is desolate. The people are in a state of emptiness, depression, and unhappy. It doesn't mean it doesn't have resources. It doesn't mean that it's not rich in agricultural uh, things and, and, and um, infrastructure uh, types of things. But the people are depressed and unhappy. And if you would play this. What should parents be looking out for? You know, I try to remind all parents that each and every person can present with mental illness in different ways, but some key symptoms that you should pay attention to, uh, specifically regarding depression, are excessive sleeping during the day, a lack of concentration, a frustration out of proportion the of to the cause, and a decrease in the on a growing youth mental health crisis. Warning that depression and anxiety in young people have doubled worldwide during the pandemic. Let's talk about that with emergency physician, physician Dr. Darian Sutton. Dr. Sutton, thanks for joining us again this morning. Break down what we see in this report. Well, good morning, George. These are some incredibly concerning trends that we're seeing in the trends of adolescent mental health. Uh, what it seems as though is that children, adolescents, and young adults are facing considerable challenges that are augmented or exacerbated by the pandemic. In a recent report covering 80,000 youth globally, it found that symptoms of depression and anxiety doubled during the pandemic, with 25% of youth experiencing symptoms of depression and 20% experiencing symptoms of anxiety. Also, ER visits for suspected attempts of self-harm have increased by over 50% among girls. So this is an incredibly important and needed discussion to have right it now. It is, and there's a pretty wide disparity in access to help. Absolutely, and that's one of the most striking factors that we see in this report. It identifies young groups that are, are more vulnerable than others, which include young people of color and young people who identify with the LGBTQIA plus community. And the access seems to be the primary issue, access to diagnostic testing, to therapy, and to pharmaceutical interventions. So hopefully this will increase funding to mental health programs, as well as access to these communities in need. What kind of science should parents be looking out for? Okay, we're going to stop there. Th- this, th- as... As you can see, this is a, a health report of, on our nation and, and our young people. I wanted to bring out this fact to you that, that we heard in this report, that though there's so much mental health problems right now, there's, there's no provision, there's no ability to treat what is going on. And that's when you know it's a judgment of God. There, there's, there's not a provision for relief. And our young people... of our girls are tempted with suicide or or maybe have attempted suicide. It's quite a large number. I I would think among the the teens, it probably might even be higher among the boys and the girls. There's a lot of cutting going on today. There's a lot of pressure that that people are experiencing, young people are experiencing in their life. And and there's this torture, this self-torture, this mutilation that is going on in their life because of the the state of desolation that's in our country. Another thing that the, the, the prophet Isaiah said is this, that your cities are burned with fire. Some of you will remember this, and some of this is brand new, and some of this is over the last couple of years, but we'll show these videos to you. 
This is Maui. I have one more we're going to show you with this. It's terrible what's happened there. You got it? You don't have it? See if you can pull it up and we'll go to the next one. The next one that I wanted you to see is this, that strangers will devour your land in your, in your presence. And we understand that there's an immigration problem in our country. Um, and Isaiah, by God, says that this is the result of the judgment of God. Th- this is not coincidental, but it's God's judgment. And the, the, the people that would, the strangers that are devouring the land, is, it's like they're coming in and they're obviously consuming Things that the the nation is not going to be able to support or the nation is not even going to be able to continue. And we understand that we have millions of illegal immigrants that have come into our country. There's a huge debate about that in our nation and at our nation's capital where there there's almost an equal divide of people in our nation that want to promote and open our borders and others that say, no, we want to close these borders. And the confusion that goes on in our government is even a judgment itself that our leadership cannot rectify this problem or bring about a solution to this. And so I think it's very troubling. For me, it causes me to be sober and to understand, according to what God highlights as judgment in the book of Isaiah, the United States of America is experiencing it. I don't know if they're going to be able to get to these other videos. You're going to be able to do it? You got it? California is very fluid. You can see police here now firing tear gas into the crowd. They are trying to push these folks back. Earlier today, just a few blocks away, there was looting underway nearby. Police seem to have had enough. The nation erupted into scenes of chaos, violence, and widespread destruction into the early morning hours. Dozens of American cities up in flames after some protests turned into riots. Often followed by looting as a nation simmering with unrest unraveled. How long can you be peaceful when your people are dying? In Los Angeles, hours before a curfew was ordered, the city became a war zone. After attempting to breach television studios, large groups torched police cruisers as officers fired back with rubber bullets. Before nightfall, the looting began. Department stores, jewelers, and high-end apparel shops trashed by unruly mobs. The mayor calling on the governor to dispatch the National Guard for the first time since the Rodney King riots in 1992. Strikingly similar scenes and issues of injustice, 28 years apart. We've seen this before in Los Angeles. When the violence escalates, no one wins. After three nights of protest and violence, the state of emergency in Los Angeles mirrored by pockets of anarchy nationwide. Described as all hell breaking loose in Seattle, when police lost control of downtown, crowds destroyed, then took over their vehicles. 
This video capturing one man removing a high-powered police rifle before a plainclothes security guard disarmed the man, clearing the magazine. But there was also troubling scenes caught on camera at the hands of police. This video appearing to show an officer putting his knee on the neck of someone taken into custody before another officer pulls his leg off. A shocking scene after the death of George Floyd, why so many poured into the streets. We can't peacefully protest in the streets without getting tear gas thrown at us for what? With demonstrators out in force again today, a violent takedown in Philadelphia, where a footlocker was looted after more than a dozen officers were injured there last night. With tear gas choking the streets of Miami, police battled protesters to keep control of their headquarters. With banks burned, highways shut down, and City Hall on fire in Nashville, there was more than a thousand arrests. In Salt Lake City, police have identified this man, who may have fired arrows into a crowd from a crossbow, before he was mobbed by a nearby group. In Tallahassee, Florida, someone drove through a protest after their pickup truck was surrounded by a crowd. The National Guard is moving into Chicago after clashes between protesters and police. In this city, we care for each other. This is a time for us to unite. Tonight, a nation on edge and up in smoke, as many plead for peace in the wake of yet another violent night. The cat and mouse game here in Santa Monica continues. I'll you can pause see police. There. I think it's interesting here in this video, we're having just the secular media telling us that all hell is breaking loose in our country. Our cities are on fire all over the nation. There's protests, there's looting, there's riots. And Isaiah says this is the judgment of God. And if, we, if we're the kind of people that sit around and say, well, God's going to judge us one day, and we don't understand where we are, how are we going to help our people in this moment? The last thing, the last video I want to show you has to do with the, the foreigners that would come in and devour the land. Just wanted you to see some of this. This morning, the crisis at the southern border has led to a crisis in the Big Apple. We are having a, like, human crisis here in the city. The processing center for newly arrived migrants has reached capacity in Manhattan. That means asylum seekers are now sleeping on the sidewalks, winding around the block, unable to find beds in the 1,000-room hotel where they wait to be processed. Some were lucky to get inside one of the cooling vans outside. We need help, and it's... It's not going to get any better. But this migrant says the uncertainty pales in comparison to the danger he faced in Mexico, where he says he was kidnapped for 37 days, finally being released after paying $1,500 to his captors. More than 93,000 asylum seekers have come through the New York Processing Center since spring of last year, around the same time. Texas Governor Greg Abbott began busing migrants to sanctuary cities, including New York and Chicago. Our next phase of this strategy, now that we have run out of room, we have to figure out how we're going to localize uh, the inevitable that there's no more room indoors. In Chicago, hundreds of migrants have been staying at police stations until they can be taken to a shelter with space. 
speaking from the police station that I am currently volunteering at, we, the individuals do not have access to showers and they don't have access to laundry. Washington DC's mayor requested the help of the National Guard last year to assist with buses of migrants arriving. Governor Abbott saying Washington DC finally understands what Texans have been dealing with every single day. Major cities are asking for more federal aid to house the migrants. They're also asking for expedited work permits. While several... So we'll pause that there. And I, I wanted to, to bring out these videos so that you could just see this, not just me up here telling you, hey, our cities are on fire or our, our country is in desolation according to that definition of despair or depression or emptiness. And we see that in our young people today, our strangers um, consuming the land in front of us. And you just see these these precious people that are obviously are suffering, but lining the streets in New York and there's other cities that are dealing with this. We've got people living in the woods right up here in Blue Bonnet and along the interstate of I-10 going to New Orleans. They're just all up in the woods. You drive by there and you look and you can see the tents and you can see the people and it's just, it's consuming the whole thing. And the Bible says this is judgment. This is judgment. And, and so I want to say to you this tonight, and I want to say this in, in behalf of a solution. I'm not here to try to bring fear. I'm not here. I would like to alarm you to maybe wake us up or something like that, but I'm not here to bring fear. I want to bring a solution to this issue that's going on in our nation. And I believe that's what the church of Jesus Christ is for. And Isaiah says in chapter one, that one of the signs of judgment, not to mention these things we've just looked at. But one, one of the judgments that God says will happen is in verse 15. And he says, and when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. And I want you to understand that the hands of America are full of blood. If any nation ever was, ours are. The murder of babies, a hundred million babies have been aborted since the 1960s. It has been atrocious what, what Americans have done to the unborn, just to mention that. But the other crimes that have happened in our, our nation and so forth. And God says, because of that, because of the shedding of blood, because of the murder, because of the disrespect for life, when you pray, I'm not going to hear you, even when you lift your hands to me. And so I think that would be a significant problem for any country if the God of all God says, I'm not going to hear you when you pray. But this is not God's desire. God's desire is not so, hey, you offended me one too many times. So now whenever you pray, I'm just not going to listen to you. No, that's not it. There, there is a way back to God. There's a way back where a nation can come back to the Lord. And one of the verses is in verse 18. And he says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And that's what God wants. Don't just ask me because you get in trouble as a nation. You know, maybe, you know, like our, our governor's saying, hey, would, can we pray for rain in Louisiana? We've got over 100 
500 wildfires throughout Louisiana right now. There's a drought in our state and our other states in the south. This is a serious problem. It is a serious problem for crops and farmers and everything else. We will feel that. We've already felt the, the, the expense of trying to buy food with the inflation. This is not going to make it better. It's going to make it a lot more difficult. And so we've got all of these issues. And, and so God's like saying, when you get in trouble, you know, you've got a hurricane coming or you got a flood coming or you got a drought coming. And then you come and you ask me for help. I'm not going to listen to you. It's not that God doesn't want to talk to us, but what God wants us to do as a nation is come and reason with me. In other words, God wants us to come to him with the need to repent. And when we come to God as a, as a country or as a state with the need to repent to God, God promises to restore us. God promises to forgive us, to wash us. And that's not only for an individual life being born again, but we see that through world history as God redeeming a nation like he did for Nineveh and being merciful to them and kind to them. In verse 27 of chapter 1, It says, Zion shall be redeemed with judgment and her converts with righteousness. And so one of the things, and I want you to understand this, that when God is trying to turn a nation, he uses judgment to do that. And we should not be shocked by that. That does not mean that God is cruel or he is unkind or he is disrespectful of the good and the bad that might be in that community. But this is the way God redeems nations and he has to bring judgment. Sometimes that judgment is war and that judgment is conflict. And what is going on in here that that God is saying, when you call upon me, I'm not going to answer you. It's because the people were worshiping idols. The people didn't want God. The people turned from God. They set up other gods and they began to worship these other gods. And I want you to understand this. Please listen to me and I want you to hear this. That, that one of the greatest things that could ever happen to a people, to a nation or to a country is to be abandoned or forsaken by God. But the forsaking of God is not how we might think of it, that God just turns his back on a nation. It's the fact that the nation turns its back on God, that it begins to worship other idols. It begins to serve other gods. And listen to me, beloved, because this is not only on a level of a country, but it can also be as an individual or as a home. That the greatest crisis, the greatest darkness, the greatest desolation comes into a country or into a particular person's life. It's not because God abandons us. It's because when we abandon God, when we turn our backs on God, the absence of God creates a vacuum and demons will fill it. And when, that, when, 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 when we choose a way of life that does not include God, then it is going to open the door for supernatural powers of darkness to invade that vacuum and begin to take control of that culture and to influence it. And y'all were seeing that in the United States of America like we've never seen in our generation. And I would probably say in all of our history, we've never seen the likes of what we're seeing today. And there is no end in sight We need a nation that will turn back to God and reason with him and come to God with the humility to be able to say, your ways are right and we were wrong, God, to turn from you. 
This nation in Isaiah was drunk with pleasure. It was drunk with wine. It was drunk with doing its own thing. And it, 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 it wasn't that it wasn't a spiritual country. It was. It was still doing its observances to Jehovah as far as Jewish practices and temple worship. But God was disgusted with it. He was disgusted with their rituals. He was disgusted with their burnt offerings. He wanted their hearts. But their hearts were not in it. And so God had to deal with all of this. In chapter 2 of Isaiah verse 7. He says this. He says the land is also full of silver and gold. And that's the way Americans have lived. We've lived with our wealth. We've lived with our possessions. Many of us are spending our whole time and our whole life gaining a little bit more silver or a little bit more gold. In other words, a little bit more money. Because if we can have a little bit more, we're going to be comfortable and we're going to be satisfied. But the Bible has warned us you never will be with that. It will not satisfy you. Neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land is also full of horses. Neither is there any end of their chariots. And that speaks of military might. It speaks of their power as a people to be able to defend themselves. To take pride in their ability to ward off and fight off any type of invading horde that may come against them. And America is the same way. We have taken such pride in our military, not our God. We have celebrated our, our generals and our, and our, our, our weapons and, and our airplanes and jets and tanks and nuclear arms. We have celebrated our space technology and everything else. And we take comfort in that. We take comfort in this. We don't want to become weak. We want to, we want to remain stronger than China or stronger than Russia. And we're concerned, you know, with the military strength and the deterioration of our military. And yet it is deteriorating before our eyes, but our strength was never our military. How does a feeble group of people beat the strongest fighting force in the world at that day in the Revolutionary War, which was Britain? Other than God, God did that. God, God fought and God strengthened us and God delivered us. But that nation forsakes God and turns to idols and begins to worship in its comfort levels, its money, its riches, and its treasures. And it takes all of its, its confidence because it's military might. And that's where America is right now. We think we're untouchable because of our wealth and because of our military, but we're not. We're not, and the world knows that we're vulnerable. The world knows that we are a divided people. And he said in verse 8, their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. And the mean man boweth down, and the great man humbles himself. Therefore forgive them not. Because they're worshiping these idols, and they're turning to these idols that they have created. And I'm not saying that you have a golden statue or a wooden idol in your home. But what is it that your hard work has created for you? What is it that your ingenuity, your genius is producing for you in your life that you get to enjoy? And you spend most of your time with that toy, if you will, because you've worked hard to have it. And this is what you enjoy doing. It's the same across the board, whether it's little boy toys or whether it's big boy toys. These things can become our idols and we invest ourselves in them and God knows it. He says, you only call me when you're in trouble. I see your game. I know what you're doing. You really want my help? Come and reason with me. 
And let's have your sins washed and let's have you clean and turn from these idols. And yet they would refuse to do this. They would live in their pleasure. They were rich beyond measure. Their military was strong. They were spiritual, but their spiritual was idolatry. And it was witchcraft. They worshipped themselves and they worshipped what they built. They worshipped their homes and their jobs and their image and their careers. Just like America does today. The next judgment that you will see is God says this to the people. And this is where we are as well. This is a progression, right? You know, first you're going to have these foreigners coming into your lands and consuming it in front of your faces. They're going to lay down in, in, your, in your streets and in your cities. And your cities are going to burn with fire. And your, and your cities are going to be desolate. And we, we see that happening in America. If that's not bad enough, God says, do I have to strike you again? But you're going to revolt. And I know that you are. So the next thing is that I'm not going to listen to you when you pray. And then if that doesn't turn you back to me, then this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you fools to be your leaders. That's what I'm going to do for you. And he says this in chapter 1 of, of, of Isaiah verse 23. He says, your princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. I'm not going to delve too much into this. But how many of you would understand that politicians, not, not everyone... But I would say there's a lot of corrupt politicians that got their hand out. And with the right money and the right lobbyists, they would be willing to do almost anything for another four years of power or six years of power. And so he says this, and as we're reading it in verse 23, he goes on, he says, Your princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loves gifts and follows after rewards. They don't judge the fatherless. Neither do the cause of the widow come unto them. They don't care about the real needs of the people. They just care about the rich people that are making them more powerful. That is what matters to them. And Isaiah chapter 3 says in verse 1. For behold the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doeth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah. The stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread. This is famine. And the whole stay of water. But not only does he take that away. He takes away the mighty man. And the man of war. The judge. And the prophet. And the prudent. And the ancient. The captain of fifty. And the honorable man. And the counselor. And the cunning artificer. And the elegant orator. And I give them. I give children to be your princes. And babies rule over you. And the people shall be oppressed every one by another. That's lawsuits and judgments and fighting and racial tensions. And everyone by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient. Do you see that in America? The children being arrogant and rude to the elders and to the ancient. And the base against the honorable. This is judgment. Guys, this is not coming. This is here in America. I mean, this is like reading the newspaper in America of what is going on. The foolishness that leads our government and our politics. The corruption. The bribes. Everything. People oppressing one another. Racial tension and division. The increase of lawsuits. The disrespect for the elderly. And so if we don't repent after that, the next judgment. And I'll close with this one. I will take away your comfort and I will send your men to war. You will be captives and be at war. You will become the slaves of another people. 
In Isaiah chapter 3, he says in verse 21, he's talking about these delicacies that we have. In verse 18, these, in, in or, these beautiful ornaments that we have for our bodies and our feet and everything, the bracelets, the chains, the bonnets, everything that we've got, and, and the clothes, the beautiful clothes that we have. And God says in, in verse 24, it shall come to pass that instead of the sweet smell, there shall be stink. And instead of a girdle, a rent. And instead of well-set hair, baldness. And instead of a, I don't know what that, stomacher? Is that what you say? Whatever. whatever. Uh, instead of that, a, a girding of sackcloth. And instead of beauty, or, or burning instead of beauty. Your men shall fall by the sword that's war, and your and your mighty in the war, and her gates shall lament and mourn, and she being desolate shall sit upon the ground. And then and then he tells us this in chapter five of Isaiah, verse thirteen. He says, Therefore my people are gone into captivity, because they have no knowledge, and their honorable men are famished. And their multitude dried up with thirst. And I think our honorable men are famished. I think some of the greatest citizens that we have in our country are terrified to run for office. They're terrified to stand up as leaders. They will be, they'll be tarred feathered up one side and down the other. Lies and suspicions and, and, and uh, strategic snares set for their life. The destruction of their families. The, 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 the exploitation of their children. And the honorable people in our society are famished by what we see going on in our country today. The two tiers of justice, it seems. The, 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 the type of, of, of darkness that we see happening in our world today. And one of these judgments is war. Is, is America on the verge of war? Could it be that we might see our honorable men, our strong men, our great men, over the next few months or maybe the next few years, being called up to go fight in battles, to see the, the devastation of our country. Why do, why do we think that as Americans and as this country, we could never suffer any type of real devastation? Why do we think that? What makes us, other than pride, what makes us think that? I, I see our young people today and well, then to be so on fire for God and serving God and those of you out there that are young today because God only knows what tomorrow is going to bring. But I do know this, that for all of these acts of God, still this nation is not turning to God. It becomes more ruthless and more cruel and more God-hating than it has ever been. And yet in all of this, God's hand is stretched out with mercy. God is desiring to save in verse 25. It says this of chapter 5. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against this people. And he has stretched forth his hand against them and has smitten them. And the hills did tremble and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away but his hand is stretched out still. Yes I'm angry but I'm still stretching my mercy out to you. I have not withdrawn it completely from you. And we're, we're not in that war conflict yet. At least not with other countries. Not with other threats and things of that nature. That At least that we know of. And God only knows how many military forces have entered in through our, our southern border. 
from other countries or terrorists. God only knows these cells that may have come into our country just waiting for a particular moment to begin to strategically cause havoc and confusion all across our country. God only knows that. We don't know that. Our, our, our own Homeland Security director doesn't know that. He doesn't know where most of them are. Or what they're doing. And they know that they have allowed some of the most wanted terrorists in the world to go loose in our country. God, what are they doing? What is happening? And God says this in chapter 5. is because even the people do not consider the work of the Lord. And I guess I say to you tonight as a people. And, and I, would, I would ask you to this. Like, please, I, I ask you. The people of God, consider just consider it. Is this all ridiculous? Is this a fairy tale that I'm living in? Am I, am, am, am I the one that's seeing this nation the way it is? is? Is this an honorable nation for God? Is this, is this a people that is walking after the Lord with, with a heart and a desire to respect the Lord and respect the ways of the Lord? Are not churches and pulpits even compromising to a woke culture today, to not stand up for God and His Word and His truth in order to be accepting among men and not willing to be able to tell the truth that's going to save people's lives? Am I, am I, the one, am I making this world up? And so I just say to you, you men and women, at least consider it. Because in chapter 5, God says that the reason for the war and the captivity is because the people of God didn't even consider the work of God. Consider the work of God. Listen to me, please. Listen to me. And I'm almost through. The work of God is just not always the good things. Sometimes the work of God is the judgment. And if we could wake up and begin to see that maybe God is at work in America. And maybe God is in the midst of judging America. And I believe that he is. And if I can consider that as the work of God, then I can cooperate with God and I can agree with God. And now maybe the Holy Spirit can work through my life in a way that is advantageous for this people in my country to turn back to God. And that is my desire. And so he opens up in chapter 1 and I'm closing with this scripture. It's in verse 16. And I would say this for us, and, it, and we're Americans, and it begins with us. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil from your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. If you've got idols in your life, Christian, get rid of them. Get rid of them. If you're accommodating a woke culture... And a trans culture and more afraid of the backlash from that than you are from the God of heaven. Then get yourself right with God. Let the Holy Spirit come and empower you and fill you with his power and his glory. That you will be more loving than you've ever been. But you will be truthful. I ask you to do that. Learn to do well. What is our teacher today? Titus chapter 2. Grace. So let grace be your teacher. So if you learn anything, learn it from grace. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Be fair. Be honest. Do right with people. Relieve the oppressed. That's the ministry of Jesus. Relieve the oppressed. 
Judge the fatherless. That's the orphans. Judge them. That means look at them. See them. Understand what they need. Help them. Plead for the widow. Be a voice for the widow. Help the widow. And come now. Right now. And let us reason together. Saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet. They shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson. They shall be as wool. And what do you plead with? The blood of Jesus. How do you wash yourself? How do you make yourself clean? The blood of Jesus Christ. How do you put away evil? By putting on Jesus. And I say to you tonight. And y'all are such great people. But choose this day. Don't halt between two decisions. If Baal is God, go serve him. But if the Lord is God, serve him. Because I tell you, the end of all things is at hand. Behold the work of the Lord. Join God's side. Be a part of what he is doing in the earth. Be sober. Be alert. Watch to prayer. Watch to prayer. One of the greatest evidences that you see the coming of the Lord is your prayer life. I promise you it will intensify as you see the coming of the Lord. And the hope for a nation, the hope for America, praise God, he was merciful to Nineveh. And praise God, if there had been 10 righteous people in Sodom, he would have spared it. And numerous times, God has been merciful to Israel. God will be merciful to us if we seek him trust the goodness of his heart be honest with God be truthful with God I want us to seek the Lord for a few minutes tonight I want us to pray for our nation a nation in judgment and I want us to pray that we would also see that we're serving a God who's in revival and that God is bringing multitudes to his son Jesus Christ This is one of the greatest opportunities to see a harvest of souls than you've ever seen before. Because in the midst of judgment, men and women and boys and girls do turn to the Lord. And if you've got a a major news network that we watched that's secular and not godly with a social doctor saying that one of the greatest plagues, it's broken records in our country today is depression and anxiety. And our young people, I guarantee you, they're looking for an answer. And that answer is Jesus Christ. So I want us to pray. I just want us to pray for our nation. I want us to pray for the mercy of God in our nation and in our country. I want us to believe for our young people. I don't want us to go to war. I don't want to have to face that judgment of God or famine or pestilence, corruption of political leadership corruption of judges the briberies God can turn this around God can give mercy but we must know where we are and we must know the God who can bring us out this nation this nation must reason with God it must for God is reasoning with it Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would hearken to your judgment upon this nation. Father, that we would not be a people who 
just kind of observe things and say it's really bad and if it doesn't change you're going to judge us Lord that you're in the midst of judging us we're in it we're suffering from it God our nation is suffering and the world is suffering Father for so many nations have turned against you Lord it is the spirit of Antichrist and Father we know that this is converging into a one world empire that hates you but Lord your church is still here And the gates of hell cannot prevail against your church. We are the force to be reckoned with in this earth. And we will not give it up. We will not give up your glory to the dark powers of Satan. We turn to you, God. We turn to you. We turn from our idols. We ask for clean hearts and we ask for pure hands, God. Wash us in the blood of Jesus, Lord. Let us be clean. Give us the power through your grace, God, to put on Jesus Christ and to walk courageously with our God, humbly with men.